Amen. Well, welcome back to our series, Change. We've been talking the last couple of weeks about how the gospel impacts our lives in every area, right? We've talked about how when you met Jesus and you gave your life to Jesus, something in you should have changed, right? There should be something different today than there was yesterday. Amen. I said last week that you don't die, you just keep changing, right? You don't retire in God, you just keep changing. The Bible says we're being perfected in the new man This new life has begun. In other words, it's a process. And God's doing something in us. And the closer we stay to the gospel, the closer we stay to Jesus, the tighter we are with him, the the more we walk with him. Here's the truth. The more we walk with Jesus, the more we become like him. If you walk further from Jesus, you become less like him. You walk closer to Jesus, you become more like him, right? It's like the the old friend that you had in high school that your mama didn't want you to hang out with because she knew because mom's intuition, she knew you shouldn't have hung out with that boy or girl because they were what? A bad influence, right? And the more you hung out with them, the more you what? Acted like them. Well, the same is true with Jesus. The more you hang out with Jesus, the more you start acting like him, right? Come on, somebody. You've heard us say over the years, you're as close to Jesus as you want to be. There's nothing getting in your way except you. Amen. So we're talking about change. And today we're talking about the gospel at work. (laughs) We're talking about your workplace. We're talking about your work ethic and how the gospel impacts your work. Give you a little bit of information. 85% of your week is part is is spent at work. That's encouraging, right? (laughs) Some of you just lost all joy. Monday's coming. 85% of my week is spent at work. For most of us, over half of our life will be at work. I think of offshore guys, guys that work offshore. I mean, they literally, they go out for two weeks, they come in for two weeks. So in a year's period, they've literally worked a half a year. And I used to pick on some of them. I used to say, oh, man, what you crying about, man? You don't work for half a year. (laughs) He's like, well, then you come out here and get some of this. I'm like, no, thank you. I'm good. I don't want none. (laughs) I'm scared. But half of our life will be spent working. Believe it or not, the Bible actually has a lot to say about work. Work matters to God. And watch this. God matters to your work. Come on. Work matters to God. It's important to God. When you read the scriptures, you see work as a common thread in the scriptures. And work was meant to be a good thing. Amen. It wasn't meant to be a bad thing. Maybe when you think of bringing God into the workplace, all kinds of disturbing images come to your mind. Maybe you start thinking, well, maybe if God wants me to open up a coffee shop, do I have to call it Hebrews or Holy Grounds? I mean, you see some strange things in the workplace. How many of you have seen some strange things when people try to bring God into the workplace, right? They do crazy stuff. Maybe you start saying Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays. Or you might even sneak in a little, have a blessed day. It's very good. Have a blessed day. Like nobody else can hear you. It's a secret. Hey, have a blessed day. I love people. Hey, have a blessed day, man. All right. Maybe you get forced into some awkward sales calls where you go, now I've sold you this, in, this life insurance. How about some insurance for life after death? I've got your name on, on our mailing list, but more important question is, is, is your name in the Lamb's Book of Life? Weird things happen when people try to bring God into work, right? 
I've just seen it. I've seen, I could tell you every denomination. I could tell a guy by his denomination, or I can tell his denomination by how he brings God into the workplace. Right? I'm not going to go into every denomination because that would be bad. But there was a guy in American Airlines. It was actually a pilot in 2004, and he was taking a, 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 a group of people, flying them to Guatemala, and he gets on to make his pre-flight announcement, and he says this, how many of you on this plane are born again? Raise your hand. And so, you know, a few people raise their hands. They're born again. He says, I'm born again. And he says, for the rest of you, if this plane goes down midair and you don't know for sure what's going to happen to you after you die, you need to get next to the person with their hand raised and so they can tell you about Jesus and so that you can have eternal life. Now, imagine yourself on the plane. Would that be a little awkward? I'd be like, I'm off. <laughs> Let me out. Right? He lost his job, to say the least. But the Bible actually has a lot to say about work. Jesus' first job was not a preacher, a teacher, or a leader, or even a healer. His first job was a blue-collar carpenter. All you carpenters, come on now. One, two, we got about four or five of them in here. I mean, we, got, we need to go build something, right? Jesus was a carpenter. That ought to make you feel better about your job. Monday ought to be a little bit better. The majority of the parables that Jesus told was about workplace context. David was a shepherd before he was a king. Joseph was a lowly son to the second in command. The apostle Paul's calling was to be an apostle, but he was also a tent maker. Paul not only wrote most of the New Testament, he also made tents. He worked with his hands. Out of 40 miracles recorded in the books of Acts, 39 of them occurred outside the church. God is concerned with displaying his power outside the walls of the church as he is within it. So this morning, I want to give you five ways the gospel changes the way we work. How many of you want that? Raise your hand. You was going to get it anyway. Five ways the gospel changes the way we work. Number one, your work is your worship. Well, that's a different thought, isn't it? Your work is your worship. Not your work is to be worshipped. Your work is an act of worship. Amen? Genesis 2 verse 15 says this, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Adam worshipped God in the Garden just, not just by reading the Bible and praying and staying away from bad apples. He worshipped God by taking care of what God put in his hands. Come on. God, God created the garden. It was a beautiful place. And he, he entrusted it to Adam. And he said, Adam, I want you to take care of this. And how Adam took care of the garden said a lot about how Adam loved God. Right? And for some of you today, how you work says a lot about how much you love God. Right? You with me? I hate them things. You can't ever turn them off. I always miss the button. <laughs> Happens to me all the time. <clears throat> His job was to take care of whatever God gave him. In the garden, the animals, Eve. Right? This was before the curse, so work was not punishment. It was a part of God's design. So before Adam fell, before he and Eve took of the apple and there was, the work became a curse, it was intended. Come on. Somebody got to get this. Yeah. 
That's all right. I'm patient. I got time. I ain't got nowhere to go. Saints ain't winning. I mean, we can stay here all day. LSU loss. If I go home, it's just going to be depression. So Adam's in the garden, and before him and Eve took of the apple and fell, their work was their worship. Okay, you got to understand this. It was meant to be a good thing. You were meant to find fulfillment in work. You were meant to enjoy it. You were meant to be passionate about it. You see, if you think about it, God created Adam to take care of something that he created himself. Right? So God created Adam with the ability to take care of the garden, the animals, Eve. Right? Men, God created you to take care of everything that he puts in your hands. The things that you have in your hands right now, you are fully capable of taking care of. You're equipped. Though the world says you're not. Though the world says you're useless today. God himself says that you're capable. You're equipped. You've got everything you need. You got the full package. Your, your tool belt is full. All you got to do is dig into it. And you're going to find the tool you need for the task in front of you. Amen. So Adam is going to worship God by walking with him and also by working for him. Now, the word work literally means to prepare or to develop. This was this was before the, the word, the curse. So work was a was not punishment. It was a part of God's design for some of you. Work is a curse. That was a good place for some of you to say amen because you know it feels that way. So, so, but for others, work is a God, right? For some of us, it's a, it's a curse. We can't wait to get away from it. And for others of us, we can't wait to get back to it. I talked to a guy this morning. He works offshore. He said he got to go home. He got to go to work to get some rest. <laughs> He's not the only one that says that. To be honest, sometimes I come to the church just to get rest. But God designed us to work. He created us to work. He created us to take raw materials and turn them into something. A contractor takes raw materials of sand and cement and they use it to make buildings. Artists take raw materials of music and colors and they make art. So how did God describe his creation when he was finished? What did he say? It is good. Right. What didn't he say? It is perfect. God said it's good. He looked at what he created and he said it's good. He didn't say it was perfect because he said it was good was meant that it was made to improve. You with me? In other words, he created it with some room for improvement. And he put man in its place and he said, "Okay, man, improve what I've given you. Now, for some of you, that's a word right there. God's trusted you with something and you don't like what he's trusted you with. So you haven't done nothing with it. But he's given it to you to improve it. And I believe a, a spirit filled Christian should walk into a room, should walk into a workplace, should walk into a task, should start to do something. And they should have a spirit of improvement on them. Right. The thing should get better. Amen. It shouldn't get worse. But sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. That was for me. 
But God said it was good. He didn't say it was perfect. Now, my wife today, she's dressed up. She's looking right and tight, and she's perfect. Her hair's all beautiful. She got a nice blouse on with some good jewelry, nice wedges. She just finally found some wedges. Come on, I learned a new word, wedges. Women wear wedges. Men get wedgies. No, <laughs> Women wear wedges. <laughs> Somehow or another, the two to come together. I don't know. My wife right now is perfect, but you didn't see her this morning. This morning, she was good. At best, she was good. My wife is a worshiper. When she wakes up, her hair is sticking straight up, praising Jesus. That's, we pick on her all the time. But she, she has room for improvement. Is this making sense? God's given you something. He's trusted you with this work that you have so that you can go in and improve it. And we're going to learn in a minute what that does when you start to improve upon or take care of or develop what God's given you. Amen? For many of you, your job is exhausting, draining, and you hate it. You only do it to survive. Can I just tell you, that's the effects of the curse. The reason you don't like it is because Adam fell in the garden and work became a curse. But let me tell you something today. You don't have to stay there. Let me tell you something. You can voice your opinion. You just need to voice it to the right person. If you're, if you're, if you're frustrated with work and you hate going to work, you dread getting up in the morning as you hit the snooze button five times and you get there on time, not a minute before. If that's you, let me tell you something. Let me give you something this morning. You, you have a voice. You can give your frustration to somebody, not your boss. You ain't going to get nowhere you got an almighty father who loves you and he cares for you and he don't want you to be frustrated. He don't want you to be hating to go to work. He don't want you dreading it. He don't want that for you. He wants you to enjoy it. He wants it to become a part of your worship. Okay. And if you'll cry out to him and tell him how you feel instead of everybody else on Facebook and Twitter and on the phone. If you'll tell him the only one that can actually change something and do something about it, spend a little time in prayer is what I'm talking about. Go to God and say, God, I just hate my job. Can I be honest? I've said that. Not recently, but I've said that. <laughs> a little disclaimer. <laughs> Today I love my job. <laughs> but you know what's happened when I do that? I go to God and I tell him how I feel. He's a real God, right? You go tell him how you feel. He understands that. And you know what he says to me? He says, son, that's okay. I got you there for a reason. And I just want you to know, I know it's tough, but I'm right there with you. He changes my perspective on my job. He shows me the unsaved people, the ones that are lost and dying the spiritually dead. And he says, I got you there for those people. It's not about you, Jamie. It's about those folks that are lost. And, and let me let you in on something, son. They're watching you. They're watching you close. Remember one time I was being groomed to be a superintendent and I worked in the construction. We worked in plants and I left. I worked for the hardest guy in the company. I mean, this guy, I swear he hated me. He literally gave me fits coming up the whole way. And so it was just starting to get in a smooth place with him. And, 
and, and they pulled me off of his crew, brought me to another crew, and I came back. And so in his mind, I had to re, be retrained. Okay, I'm grooming to be a superintendent. He sticks me in a catch basin. I'm in a carbon black plant. When you come out, you look black. It's in every orifice you got. I mean, it's okay. And he puts me in this catch basin. And uh, Number one, I don't fit. Okay, and he wants me to go take some boards out of it. I don't fit. And in that moment, I was like, I'm done. I quit. Forget you, man. But something inside of me said, do it and do it well. So I sucked up my lip. I got in that catch basin. Almost didn't get out. But I pressed in. And it forever changed that guy and me. So number one, your work is your worship. Number two, who you work for is way more important than what you do. Come on, somebody. Who you work for is way more important than what you do. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says this. Whatever. You need to underline that. Whatever. Say that with me. Say whatever. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. You got to know this, that whatever you're doing, you're doing it for the Lord. What does that mean that you're doing it for the Lord? That he's just watching? No, that means that you're representing him. You're his representative in that place. And you are called to make a change. You are called to make a difference. You are called to be light in that dark place. Because you're working for the man. Not that man. Right? You're working for God and you're going to receive something greater than a paycheck. Amen? You're going to see lives changed. You're going to see people who persecuted you come one day at the coffee room or or behind the shack and say, Hey man, would you pray for me? There was one time we were building roads in Lake Charles and this guy comes up to me. He gave me fits about being a Christian. And he comes up to me and evidently him and his wife were going through a divorce or they were separated. And he catches me behind the backhoe, like behind the big tire. You know, he's like, hey, bro, hey. He's like, we're making a drug deal or something. I'm like, bro, what's up? I ain't buying nothing. I mean, what's up? He goes, hey, man, look, me and my wife, man, we're having a hard time. Can you pray for me? And I guess he thought I was going to go home and pray for him. But he didn't know my pastor, right? So I grabbed him on the shoulder. I stood up, I stood up nice and tall. I said, Lord, I pray right now. And I just went, the brother was squirming. And he was, hey, he asked for prayer. He got it. I'm working for the big boss man, right? Some of you may say my boss is a jerk. He doesn't appreciate me. He doesn't pay me what I'm worth. He treats me like dirt. I feel you. I've been treated that way myself. But can I tell you something? Don't focus on that. Don't focus on what he does to you or how he treats you. Focus on whether or not you're pleasing the father. If you please the father, eventually men will line up. Did you get that? Eventually everything else around you will line up. You just stay focused on the father. As a preacher, sometimes I get up on Sunday mornings and I worry about pleasing you with a message. I'm just being honest. You know what God says? Why are you trying to please them? You need to please me. And I repent and I preach what he tells me to preach. Amen.
So Paul is saying that this is one thing that should set Christians apart is that they do their work for the glory of God. So whether you eat or drink, mop floors, stock shelves, sell coffee, write contracts, teach kids, do it all for the glory of God. You got to know that you're representing God. Amen. So number two is that who you work for is more important than what you do. Number three, how you work shows who you worship. It shows who you worship. If you constantly go to your boss complaining about how you feel and about somebody did this to me and -and so-and-so said that and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. You know what he's getting? He's getting a message that it's all about you. And what he really wants to say to you is when you're going to start focusing on your job, when you're going to take care of your business, when you're going to start worrying about this company. Right? It shows who you worship. Are you worshiping you or are you worshiping God? Lack of integrity is nothing new in the workplace, but work that worships God will always be done to the highest standard of ethics because it seeks to demonstrate the integrity of God. Look at Proverbs 11.1. It's going to be a little different than what you see on the screen. God hates cheating in the marketplace. He loves it when business is above board. You know, the little things in life tend to trip us up more than the big things, don't they? We focus on the big things and this and that, but it's really the little things that will trip us up and sometimes even disqualify us. I heard a story on the radio the other day. This guy was being interviewed within his company to move up to this higher position, and everybody on the board said, man, this guy, he's the man. He's the man. I'm telling you, he's got, and they're trying to sell him to the boss. And the boss gives the approval, says, okay, well, then let's promote him. And so the boss is down in the cafeteria and he sees the guy. He's like two or three people behind him in line. And the guy's passing this tray and the guy grabs an extra butter and something else. And he hides it underneath his napkin and then doesn't pay for it. And the boss man saw him. And the boss man went back to the board and said, he's not our man. They said, well, why not? Because he's he's a thief. Sometimes the small things trip us up, right? We need some integrity in the workplace. Can I get an amen? We need to be above board. Cheating in the marketplace means fudging mileage reports, padding business expenses, skipping, time, skipping on time cards, calling. Oh, watch out now. I'm going to step on somebody's toe. Calling in sick when you're not. You know what my fear is of calling in sick and I'm not? Is I'm going to get sick. You know what I'm saying? I was like, no, nah, I ain't calling that sick. That's like, that's like breathing a curse on myself. I ain't doing that. <laughs> I've just learned to tell the truth. Look, I just need a day off. Things ain't good at home. I just need a break. Here's a good statement. If you want to raise, don't ask for more money. Ask for more responsibility. As an em- employer, I loved guys that would come up and want more responsibility. I love guys that would come to me and say, man, look, bro, you, you holding me back, man. You need to let me loose. Oh, I'm sorry. Run, brother, run. <laughs> Take off with it. Ask for more responsibility. Psalms 15, 1 to 5 says that God who gets invited, it says this, God who gets invited to your dinner, to dinner at your place? How do we get on your guest list? Walk straight. Act right, 
Tell the truth. Don't hurt your friends. Don't blame your neighbor. Despise the, dis- the despicable. Keep your word even when it costs you. Make an honest living. Never take a bribe. You'll never get blacklisted if you live like this. You know, every time I try to cut a corner, there's always a bigger corner around the corner. Right? Every time I try to short something and, and short change it and take a little shortcut, it just always gets me in trouble, doesn't it? We need to live and work above board. Right? I heard a story of a lady one time. She was, she was working at a plant and everybody stopped to take a smoke break. She wasn't a smoker. So one day she got fed up. She went outside. She just sat down where they were sitting down. They were like, what you doing? She's like, taking a smoke break. But you don't smoke. No, but you get a break and I don't. I thought that was pretty cool. I wouldn't have went and sat with them. I'd have went outside. Right? So how you work shows who you worship. Number four, work to give, not just to get. Work to give. Not just to get. Watch this statement. You make a living by what you get. You make a life by what you give. Isn't that good? You make a life by what you give. You make a living by what you get and what you earn and what you work for. But you make a life by what you give. To follow Jesus means that you think about your life the way that he thought about his as an offering to serve others. Second Corinthians eight, nine says, for, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. Where would you be if Jesus leveraged his position entirely for himself? You know, there's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with being rich. It's just something wrong when the money makes you, right? It's, it's nothing wrong with having money as long as the money doesn't have you. Amen? And as business owners, for all of you that are business owners, it's important and vital that you're not the only one making money. Part of your testimony is that all the people that work, serve, and help you, they make money too. Right? When I went into business for myself, I determined I wasn't going to be like the bosses I worked for in the past. That I wasn't going to be the guy that, had to, that, that, that everybody has to come to and beg for a 50-cent raise. I didn't want to be that person. I wanted to be a blessing to those people, right? Because they're my employees. But you know what? They're also my mission. And what brings men to repentance? The goodness of God. How do men that are lost see the goodness of God? Through people who are saved. Amen? So God's intentions are that we work to give, not just to get. Let me give you a little statistic. The average Christian gives 2.4% to the kingdom of God. I said that right. 2.4% to the kingdom of God. Watch this. The average American gives 2% to charity. Do you see much difference there? Was that a wow factor? Did Did you go, wow. If it would have been flipped over and the Christian gave 4.2% and the American gave 2%, you'd say, oh, that's good, right? 
But there should be something different about us, right? I mean, when you get the gospel, when you get Jesus in your life and you're impacted by the gospel, it should so change you that what you have doesn't matter anymore. Come on. It's it's not like your, your, your most precious gift because that's been replaced. Jesus is now your most precious gift. So all the other things like the old Baptist hymnal used to say, all the other things in the world become strangely dim. Right. And they take their place and you start realizing, you know what, this thing that I used to stress over, that I used to lose sleep over, that I used to worry about, that I got all this gray hair about. It's just a tool. In my tool belt. It's just something that I get to use to show people the goodness of God. Right. One of the things that used to really burn me up when I worked construction was when the Christian boys would come to work. I didn't know many guys that were Christians and worked hard. Usually the Christian boys would be the ones slacking. And can I be honest with you? I used to give them hell. And they would look at me like, man, why are you beating up on me? Like, because you misrepresenting God, man. You over there hiding in the corner and you got this title Christian on you. What are you doing? That may be a little judgmental. Oops. But something wasn't right about that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because I knew there was a greater calling inside for that person. There's a greater calling inside of you today. And wherever you work, whether you like it or not, you're there for a reason. You're there on mission. It's mission possible if you just start working right. Amen? You'll start being a little light in the darkness. When somebody persecutes you at work, instead of fussing and complaining about them and and dragging your lip around all day, you just put a little smile on your face and you just keep going because you know you're working for a different boss, man. You know, you're representing the almighty God. Amen. Instead of talking bad about the boss, you need to bless him. I said, instead of talking bad about you, you need to bless him. Instead of talking bad about him, you need to bless him. The Bible says to bless those that curse you. (laughs) I want to bless them with something. (laughs) Come here, let me bless you. But that's not what he was talking about. (laughs) Number five, I'm going to finish with this one. All of them lead up to this one. It might not make sense when I say it, but watch this. It says work ultimately for the question. What do you mean, pastor? Work for the question. You need to work ultimately for the question. Some people work for the paycheck. Some people work for the weekend. You ought to work for the question. That's your goal. Watch what 1 Peter 3.15 says. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Let me Cajunize that for you. You need to always be ready to answer the question when people say, why aren't you mad about that? Why you didn't take that 15 minutes off early like the rest of us? You got us in trouble. Right? You need to always be ready, the Bible says, to give a reason for this hope that you have inside of you. 
When people come and they say, man, why are you, why are you killing yourself, man? These chumps don't pay us no money. Man, you're you working way more than what you're worth. But what they're paying you, you're working way more than what they're paying you. What you're doing, man? You need to ease up a little bit. Man, I'm not working for Joe Schmo. I'm working for God who sees everything. And I want him to be pleased with my work. Right? Work for the question. Always be ready. Because I promise you, you make a stand for Christ and you put Christian on your, on your title and you say, I'm a Christian and I go to church and I tithe. Let me tell you something. It's all coming against you. I watched a poor welder one time. He was lost as a goose, one of the wildest men I ever knew, gave his life to Jesus. And we're working at the plants and he's sitting in the break room. And instead of reading the quick quarter with the rest of the guys, he busts up his Bible in the front of everybody. Now, he wasn't the type of guy that was pushing it on everybody. He didn't become weird. He just became real. And he sat, he, he, they, they didn't want to sit next to him, so he sat there. And he just read his Bible. And I watched day after day, they started jabbing at him. <laughs> Man, I know you, bruh. It's too late for that. I know who you are. I know who you used to be. You put that up, man. And he took it day after day after day. And they found out he tithed 10% of his income. Oh, you know them preachers. Man, what you doing, man? You just, you just supporting the preacher. That's all you doing? And he took it day after day after day. He took it on the chin. And he kept working. And I watched God bless that man. In the midst of all the other welding contractors on that, and at, at that plant, he was the one. All of a sudden, he had this spotlight on him. And that spotlight was Jesus' blessings on his life. He got the overtime. He got the easier jobs. He got the breaks. He got the mercy when something went wrong. He got treated better. He was held in a higher respect. Come on, somebody. The people that are making fun of you are actually in awe of you, and that's the way it should be. They should be going, man, God, why is he changing? Man, life was good. We used to go smoke a little dope around the corner. Now he don't want to even smoke a cigarette. What's the deal, man? Why he's got to change? But on the inside, they're going, man, I wish I could change. I wish I could live a better life. Because listen to me, you don't have to go around telling people that they're sinners and that they're lost. They already know. You don't have to go lay condemnation on somebody they're already condemned we just need to give them hope we need to work in a way that says you know what they got something that i don't have they should be saying man i gotta get me some of that right they should want what you have because you're working for the lord and not not just for man i want to close by sharing this one story with you that I experienced myself when we were in business. My business partner, Denny, and I, he's in our Jennings Church, working for this big construction company in Lafayette. And they were, their office was in downtown. It was actually above the courthouse in Lafayette. Big old place, big, massive company. And we got in the door with them, and we started working for them. And you know, we made some mistakes, and they were rough, and they were, they were a big deal. And we were like peanuts. But we stayed faithful. We stayed diligent. We worked hard for them. And 
and we started getting more work and Denny was a salesman and he would go in and he would, he would go into the office to the, hang out with the people I didn't want to go hang out with. I'd rather be out on the construction site. So Denny would go in the office and these guys started, started to beat up on him a little bit. They'd try to beat him down on his price and they would try to put him down and, oh, we all messed up on this last job. And, you know, you, you, need, you need to cut your price a little bit and all this. And Denny would just stay firm and he would just stay straight. He wouldn't get frustrated and they wouldn't rattle his chains and all these other things. He just stayed straight. And there was one guy that we worked for. He gave us fits. Fits, the hardest guy we worked for together. And one day, Denny's walking out of that office. And right there on the corner of, I think it's uh, Jefferson, downtown Lafayette on the corner, right there by the tunnel, all kind of traffic going by. Denny's walking this way. This guy that gave us fits is coming this way. And they run into each other. And this guy at that moment was in a crisis in his life. His marriage was on the edge. His, his son didn't like him. It, he was just about to lose it all. And he looks at Denny almost with anger and he goes, man, what is it about you and your business partner, man? What makes y'all so special? Y'all, y'all, like, y'all get along? I mean, what's the deal? And it was almost like he was coming at him to attack him. And Denny just, Denny just sat back and he just said, you know what, man? You know what bonds us together? is Jesus. Jesus is the bond in our relationship. Jesus is the reason we work so hard. Jesus is the reason I don't get mad every time I come up into this office. And then he just started witnessing to that guy right there. That guy, a grown man, is in tears on the corner of Jefferson Street in Lafayette, downtown, middle of the day. And then he just preaches the gospel to him in a non-condemning way and just showed him that there's hope You see what I'm saying? That's what it's all about. It's all about that lost person. It's all about the man you're representing. You're God. Right? So whatever you do, whatever it is, whether you like it or not, you have it because that's what God gave you. I'm going to say it easy. You just need to suck it up and be a big boy or girl about it. Right? And you need to know that you're there for a purpose and a reason. And that God's going to do something through you. And he's going to do something in you. Your work is your worship. And how you work shows who you worship. Amen. Don't work to get. Work to give. You see in this? For some of you here this morning, you need to just change your perspective. You need to change your attitude. You need to see things a little different. You may need to repent. You may need to ask God to forgive you. For your attitude towards your boss and the way you've worked in the past. For cutting corners and maybe padding a timesheet. Maybe putting one nail instead of two. Worship God, not your work. Work doesn't make a good God. God makes a good God. Amen. Can you stand up with me this morning? In your notes, in your handouts, you've been given a 20-day challenge. This one right here. And it's 20 ways to bring the gospel to your work. I want to challenge you today. 
I want you to go home and I want you to read this. And I just want you to start putting a few of them into practice. Just as you're reading it, I just want you to say, God, show me which ones I need to work on. And whatever it is, just start doing something different at work. I'm not saying go to work and be religious. I'm not saying go bless everybody. Oh, bless you and bless you and bless you. I'm not saying that. I'm saying go to work and work like a blessing. Amen? You, you received that. How many of you received that challenge to read this and then to do something, five of you? All right, sit down. We're going to start over. Because you didn't get it. <laughs> I just want to pray for you this morning a little while. I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to meet Jesus in a minute. If you're here today and you say, man, Pastor, that sounds great. I'd love to do that, but man, I just don't, I don't get this whole Jesus thing. If you're here today and you want to meet Jesus, it's not a complicated thing. It's not even It's not even confusing. It's very simple. It's just an introduction to someone that died on a cross so that you could have life, that gave his life for yours. If that's you today, with every head bowed and every eye closed right now, if that's you today, if you you just say, if you'll just lift your hand this morning and say, Pastor, I need Jesus. Just right now, just lift the hand up real quick. I need Jesus, Pastor. I need him. I need him in my workplace. I need him in my life. I need him in my marriage. I need him in my money. I need him in my relationships. I need him with my children. If that's you, just raise your hand real quick. Okay, you can put it down. Father, I come to you right now, Lord, and I just pray. I pray, Lord, for those that raise their hands. Father, for those that just know right now in this moment that they need more of you. I just pray, Lord, you fill them up. I pray, Lord, the closer we walk with you, the more we become like you. Lord, I thank you that the gospel is meant to impact our world. For us and through us. So, Father, today I pray that we we just get this fire inside to be a spirit-filled believer that goes to work and we work for you, Father, and it's a part of our worship. It's the way we worship. We show people that we worship God by how we work. We show them that something different has happened. I've changed. I'm not the same person I used to be. And I pray that, Father, as we do that, as we pursue you and we we work to worship you, Father, that, Lord, blessings are going to come. Promotions are going to come. Raises are going to come, Lord. Not because we go and beg and kick and threaten to get them, Lord, but because you just place them in our hands. And so, Father, I thank you for that. And I pray you help us to change our attitudes, change our perspective, change our heart about work, Lord. Help us to be people on mission with a purpose. I just pray for miracles to happen at work, Lord, where the lost are saved and the the dead are risen and, Father, the, the broken are put back together, Lord, and they're given hope. I pray we're always ready to share and to give a reason for this hope that we have inside of us. Change us, Lord. Change us, Father. Move in us, Lord. Change us, Lord.
show up at our workplace, Lord. Show up, Lord, and do something incredible. I bless you, Father. And I thank you, Lord. And I give you praise. I give you honor. I give you glory. Right now, church, I just want you to pray with me. Just begin to pray in your own way. Let words come from your mouth to praise him and worship him. And I just thank you, Father. Thank you for this church. I thank you that we're your representative in this city and then the surrounding cities, Lord. I thank you that you've given every one of us a realm, a region to touch. Thank you, Lord, you've given us a purpose and a mission. Lord, help us to fulfill that purpose and that mission, Father. So thank you, Lord. Thank you.